You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Max Scherzer, nicknamed Mad Max, is an American professional baseball pitcher for the Washington Nationals of Major League Baseball. He made his MLB debut as a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2008 and later played for the Detroit Tigers prior to joining the Nationals. He has been an important figure in both the Tigers and Nationals playoff presence, including Detroit's four consecutive American League Central titles from 2011 to 2014 and two of Washington's National Football League East titles culminating in winning the 2019 World Series as a wildcard team. A power pitcher with a three-quarter arm delivery, Scherzer has achieved numerous strikeout records and distinctions. He is the 10th pitcher in history to garner at least three Cy Young Awards, the sixth to record two no-hitters in one season, the fifth to produce more than one immaculate inning, and the second to strike out at least 200 batters in a season of eight years in a row. He is regarded as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Mad Max Scherzer. Hey, thanks for having me, Pat. Wow. Max, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Um, for me, just uh, been a guy that's always uh, just wanted to work hard and compete. And uh, that's always been kind of the foundation of my success. And, uh, you know, I've always had a dream to play Major League Baseball and uh, really turned a corner there in college at Mizzou and uh, just continue to work hard. And everything that's kind of happened has just been a little chunk at a time. Just a question. What is a Cy Young Award winner for our listeners? Oh, it would be the uh, top pitcher in each each league. So the American League has an award and the National League has an award as well. So there are Cy Young Awards for both leagues? Yeah, for both leagues and, and as well as MVPs as well in baseball. Okay, what is an immaculate inning? Immaculate inning is uh, um, three up, three down, three strikeouts and on nine pitches. So it's strike one, strike two, strike three. You did, and it's nine, three up, three strikeouts on nine pitches. So it's kind of a fluke thing. Uh, so, uh, but you also have to be <laughs> punching some tickets to be able to get that to happen. I don't know if I'd call it a fluke. Uh, it sounds with a name like Immaculate. I don't know if that can be a fluke, but uh sounds like quite a feat to have accomplished. Um, and one of the things that I know, um, at least from watching you be on the pitcher mound, you know, when they zoom in on your face and you can actually see you talking to the batters. Um, is that kind of, is, are you talking to them for your own psyche or like what is talk us through some of that process? Because that's a, it's a really intense moment that they're actually able, unlike very many sports, they're able to capture that on film so we can kind of see the intensity in your face. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more talking to myself. Um, there's different times, uh, you know, whether you remind yourself uh, of things, certain situations, what you're trying to do with the baseball, um, or there's been other times where you're kind of pitching through an injury. And when you're pitching through an injury, it's got it's extremely important to stay at 100% intensity uh, the way you're going through the baseball. The moment you start backing off the baseball, um, sometimes that's how you get hurt. Uh, so when you're pitching to an injury, you got to make sure that you're going at it 100%. And so uh, I know there's been times where I haven't, haven't been, been a little dinged up, and you got to make sure to, even when you're you're dealing with some of these specific injuries that uh, you stay at that uh, you know kind of 100% threshold. Yeah, Max, I want to go back to your college days where I had a chance to watch you train, and you took training very serious. Even back in college, I remember um, squad days for you. I believe the conversations I've had with you and and we'll talk about Coach Bird as well. Um, But what about the weight room is important for you and why did you attack the weight room the way you did and kind of do you still do that? Um, I, I think it was kind of the culture that we had at Mizzou uh, that, you know, like you said, with Coach Bird, yourself, and the rest of the staff, that uh, there was so much – there's so much benefits for baseball players to be able to get in the weight room and really get after it. Uh, you ha- you can't be just football lists where you're doing a ton, ton of overhead stuff, but uh, as long as you stay with uh, baseball-specific, you know, lifts – uh, I think it can be extremely beneficial to uh, all players. Uh, for me personally, like you said, uh, you know, when you start getting into those leg lifts, I think those are so important for pitchers. And I always, you know, really gravitate towards squats. And I still, still try to get it to this day, even though it's a little bit few and far between. Uh, but anything where you can compete in the weight room and get you bigger and stronger, uh, that shows up onto the baseball field. I think you should say it again for the people in the back that baseball players can definitely benefit from lifting weights. <laughs> um, but has that been your experience with, you know, growing up in baseball, but then also your teammates? Like, did they do they feel as strongly about it and have a history like you do of using the weight room as a tool to bring you this far in your career? Um, I think every player uses it to some degree. Uh, no one's not going into the weight room. Let's just say that. Um, you know, obviously others use it more than the other. Uh, for me, uh, when I, you know, for me, you know, coming out of high school, you know, and really actually dedicating myself to hundred percent to baseball not playing basketball or football, uh, and actually having a chance to actually train, lift, do everything you can, you know, to get yourself, uh, as the best baseball shape as possible. Uh, for me, I really benefited from that. Uh, I really thought I threw on another 15 pounds of muscle, uh, that really allowed me to kind of take off as a baseball player and as a pitcher, um, uh, to get, you know, higher velocities and, uh, to be strong, not only strong, but strong throughout a game, uh, strong throughout a start, uh, so that I can be just as strong in the seventh inning as I am in the first inning. Yeah. Uh, coach bird, you know, he's been around the game for a long time. He's trained a lot of all, all sorts of athletes. And he was, he marveled at the fact that you would get in the squad rack and you would rep out four plates. So that's at least 400 pounds, 405 pounds for people that aren't aware. What is it about you that you weren't afraid to put that much weight on your back? Um, 
I, I because that was a time when I was really strengthening up my legs specifically. Uh, I mean, getting getting underneath the weight and really getting to push yourself and see how much can you lift. Uh, to me, that was fun uh, to to push yourself and be able to see the new weights that you're achieving. Uh, I thought that also directly correlated to what I was able to do on the baseball field. Uh, so not only was it squats, but it's you know dumbbell rows, you know lunges, you name it, everything that you can do as a baseball player to lift. Um, go at it and compete at it and try to get yourself as big, as strong as possible um, so that you can be the best baseball player you can be. And do you think um, that that your mentality about the weight room and essentially conditioning yourself to last, you know, the entire game, has that attributed to your longevity? Like I'm pretty sure, you know, baseball pitchers, I think it's under six years is the average career length for starting pitchers. Um, so do you think that having that mentality of, of taking care of your body and really priming it for baseball, has that been a huge contributor to the success of your career? Well, I, I hope it is. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking, I mean, when I look back, uh, you know, I'm not sitting here, uh, you know, I, for me personally, I, I believe it is. Uh, you know, I know every player, um, you know, it is a little bit different and some guys need, uh, you know, different types of stretching and mobility and, um, you know, some guys need more strength training. For me, I, I found that really gravitated towards uh, being in a strength training and, and really running. I uh, really gotten into running as well uh, into my program so that uh, I can really try to be a, a well-rounded athlete uh, while I'm on the mound. Yeah, I, w- I definitely want to get into your running routine uh, post game for recovery. But before that, did you play other sports growing up? Yes, I did. I uh, played uh, football my freshman and sophomore year. I uh, didn't play basketball all four years um, uh, as well. And I firmly believe in playing multiple sports as a kid. Uh, that, I mean, when you're growing up, uh, you want to be the best athlete you can be. You don't want to just, you know, dial yourself into just one sport. Um, you know, I, I hear that uh, so many kids these days are just focusing on one sport, uh, you know, at, at 10 years old. Uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like I'm a good uh, baseball player because, uh, you know, I'm not saying I was a good basketball player, but um, the fact that I could play basketball and, you know, all the, you know, cuts, agility and jumping that goes into basketball, I think translates into baseball. Um, and I'm sure, you know, throwing a baseball helps you throw a football and playing football gives you a little toughness so that you can play all the sports a little bit better. So, uh, in my, in my life, I, I really feel like the fact that I played a bunch of different sports growing up, uh, and played them competitively, like it wasn't just, you know, am I here just playing? No, we're playing to win. Uh, and being a part of teams and, and seeing different coaching styles uh, across the sports, uh, I really feel like I've taken a lot from the other coaches and the other sports as well that have taken into baseball. That does, yeah. You're talking about the the kids who are specializing at such an early age. You know, what they if they start specializing at ten, it's you know, there's different studies out there that are saying they're pretty much burnt out by it by the time they get to high school, or you know, the injuries that they have, the overuse from doing the same repetitive motions, that type of thing. So it's really interesting that you say that how how beneficial being a multi sport athlete is. Um, but having exposure to those sports and the coaching styles and things like that. Um, can you speak to how that you think has helped develop you and your leadership style, obviously from, you know, being a pitcher that, that is a huge leadership role, just kind of by default. Um, so can you speak to how those different experiences in other sports have helped prepare you for your role now? Sure. Um, yeah, I'd say from the football standpoint, I mean, that's just the toughness, you know, uh, aspect of the sport of, you know, being able to, 
the get hit, you know, deliver a hit, um, and just the, the overall game play of football. It's, it's just a real tough mentality that you have to have before you even step onto the field. And there's all the you know different levels of detail that go into how you play that game, uh, and that's just from my experience in high school. So I obviously know it gets way more complicated than that. Um, for me, I really grabbed. I really thought I, uh, a lot of uh, kind of my. Uh, mentality also comes from basketball. I had an outstanding coach uh, in high school and coach Kirby um, and the way he, that he ran practices, the way he ran games and the, the competitiveness that he brought uh, and his expectations of the out- output that he expected from you every single day. Uh, it rubbed off and it, it was just a whole team atmosphere uh, that wasn't just, you know, rubbed off on me. I felt like it rubbed off on everybody on the team and the way we played basketball, the way we prepared, the way we studied the game, uh, even at the high school level, I thought uh, just uh, you know start thinking about sports in a different way and, and how you compete in a different way, um, especially when you're tired. Expect you know basketball, you, you, when you get up and down the court, you get pretty tired. So having to be that attention to detail when you're um, you know knowing how to play as a team um, more so than any other sport, I feel like that basketball everybody's kind of accountable to each other. And uh, you know I really enjoyed my time uh, playing basketball in high school, and I, and obviously I feel like that all translated into um, you know where I was going at and into college and all, all the sports kind of melded together for me and, and formed kind of a personality for me of what I wanted to do in college. Yeah, Max, I know that uh, Coach Jameson, who was your head baseball coach at Mizzou, was special to you. Uh, he has a, a very uh, gentle, teaching, patient spirit. Uh, I can speak mm-hmm. to that personally because I was a he, working with baseball was one of my first assignments. And so coach Jamison actually helped me to be a better coach and actually coached me. Um, so, so that I could be who I wanted to be. What did he mean to you? Yeah. Like you said, he, he has his own leadership style and the way he was, uh, very, um, you know, expected a lot of you, but he didn't have to say it in a ton of words. Uh, you know, I want to say he was quiet, but he was just very, very short and he expected this. And if you didn't get it done, you understand why uh, you were either having success or having failure because, uh, you know, just laid it out there right in front of you. But uh, the way he the way he coached uh, was uh, impactful to all uh, and uh, probably a good balance to say yourself and Coach Bird as well. <laughs> what, what about Coach Bird? Speak about him. <laughs> the way Coach Bird, now to me, that was that was awesome. To have. I mean, uh, I mean, he's got the whistle. You get your foot over the line if you're running a gasser. I mean, every little thing it was, you're going to do it at 100. percent And if you're not going to do it at 100, percent there's going to be a price to pay. And um, you know, I still tell a story to this day that uh, you know when you when you're in a squat rack and you have, you have to get the safety bars from the low setting up to you know the fifth setting. Uh, and I remember my freshman year of not um, doing that. And I had to do a two minute plank right then and there uh, and because I didn't have the setting right, uh, right in the middle of one of my sets. And so I, this is now 15, 16 years later, and I still have not squatted again without moving that <laughs> bar um, from the low setting up to the high setting. But it's stuff like that. You know, it was those type of, uh, you know, 
kind of things where, Hey, it doesn't matter if you're squatting, you got to do all the things, right. You got to be safe. You got to think about all the little things. And so, uh, coach bird was excellent about that and making sure that if you're going to do something, you're going to do it right. And, uh, even if that means he has a guy whistle in your face, uh, you know, some guys might not like that, but for me, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, that, that it made it fun that everybody was accountable to, you know, that low, that standard, uh, that he had in his mind and everybody else, you know, needed to meet that. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And going from the collegiate level to the professional level, was there any one or two things that might stick out as things that you weren't necessarily expecting. Like maybe you were ready for them. You, you know, you obviously came up in the sport and in sports in general, so that you had some instilled some good foundations in terms of your attitude and effort and things like that. Um, and accountability from a team perspective, but going up to the next level, was there anything that kind of, um, you know, like I said, caught you off guard or that, that you weren't, nobody really told you about it, but when you got there, it was like, Oh, so this is how it is. Um, I just think it's a different type of mentality at the pro level. Uh, it's so much more just individualized than verse, uh, you know, like you said, a, a coach bird with a whistle ready to you know jump you for any <laughs> little thing that you do wrong. Uh, it's not like that. Uh, it's at the at the next level. Uh, it's so much more uh, self motivation that it, you you either are going to do the work or you're not. Uh, you either you're going to perform or you're going to weed yourself out. So they're not going to sit here and hold your hand and tell you how to do everything. They kind of expect you to do, to know how to manage yourself. And then they're going to help you do little lifts here. You know, they're going to obviously help you and coach you and what you need to be doing well. But um, just from the attitude of walking into the building, uh, it's not the it's not the, kind of the same as as it is in college, um, and that was kind of a learning curve. But it was also um, you know a good kind of wake up call to show you that you don't have to have somebody in your face uh, every single day to make sure that you're motivated. You know, it really tests your your own will of how badly do you want to go out there and compete uh, when there isn't somebody uh, doing it for you. So for me, I, I see that as a challenge that I have to wake up every day and bring it uh, every single time I walk into the you know into the complex. Uh, and so, uh, for me, I just rely on, you know, the, you know, the kind of the foundations that were laid at Mizzou in terms of the attitude of what it takes to get it done in the weight room, uh, and still apply that today. Talk to us about the conversations you have with yourself on the mound. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, that's where we were kind of getting into a little bit. Um, it, it honestly, it just literally depends on the situation. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm just making sure that I'm, I'm staying focused of what I want to do. And that's always attack and get ahead of the hitters and how I'm going to, um, 
you know, put, what pitch I'm thinking that's going to work to be able to get a, either, you know, the out pitch um, and understanding that, you know, you might be getting, you know, hit around or you've given up a run or you give up a home run or whatever, but uh, you still have to dial it back in. And no matter how, how much success or how much failure you've experienced, you've got to be willing to attack every single pitch every single time. Um, and that's to me very important to have that mentality uh, because it's, it is kind of easy to give in sometimes to not be at a hundred percent because something might not go your way or you're not getting a specific, you know, the umpires not help, you know, giving you a call when you thought it was a strike of just staying in the moment of being in the attack mode uh, and always, always focusing on what you can do. instead of we're allowing the other things that dictate your confidence level. What about recovery? I know that coach bird has shared with me some of your unique recovery running routines. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I, I found um, over the years that, uh, you know, really kind of start pushing the distance running on the day after. Um, and, you know, once you make a start the next day of really getting out there, now it's really trying to train for your next start. Um, and I found that uh, the more I can run, uh, the better out usually I feel. And when I have that aerobic base conditioning, uh, that I feel actually really strong on the mound and I can feel like I'm, I, I have the endurance to pitch uh, deep into a game. Uh, plus I feel like there's benefits of just going out there and getting a good run in uh, and, you know, just move, you know, pumping the blood and, you know, and just feeling good about that. Uh, I feel like that, that helps me uh, recover and get ready for the next start. So that running has definitely been the distance running is a day after. Uh, and then, uh, two days later, then I do more interval-based running. And then the day before I start, I do more sprint-based running. And when you say distance, how far, like what type of distance are we talking? Um, anywhere from three to six miles. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, most of the time I'm, tr- I'm gunning for, you know, four four to five miles. Uh, I'd say that's probably average. Uh, depends on how my body's doing, you know, uh, you know, if I have any ailments or whatever. But uh, if I'm feeling good, yeah, I'm trying to knock down some miles. And so does that, do you think running those miles, you know, some people can't really even imagine running for like 30 or 40 minutes straight, but does that also have an equally positive impact on your psyche? I know we've been talking about, you know, kind of your mental toughness and intensity and stuff, but there has to be kind of a, I would think needs to be kind of a reset for that where you can just kind of clear your mind and, and get ready to, you know, repeat the same mental battle the next time. Yeah. Uh, and there's some mental, yeah, it, you know, there's definitely days where you wake up and, you know, you might have, you know, a Sunday day game and it's, you know, nine o'clock in the morning when you're, you just pit and you didn't go to bed till, you know, 2am the previous night. Cause you've been wired uh, from the previous start, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, but you run into you know situations where that like that and you have to go out there and you have to go get it. Uh, you know, you, you know, you're tired a little bit, but if you feel good, uh, you know, trying to keep that pace uh, and trying to run, you know, make sure you have a good run. Uh, for me, you know, mentally being accountable for that, trying to keep that up uh, in a safe way. Uh, and uh, like you said, to, to keep that mindset of, no, you're going to, when you set out to do something, you're going to finish it, that you're not going to just uh, make excuses and, 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 you know, circle out of it because, uh, you know, it, you're just not feeling it that day. Um, you have to have a reason to not train. You have to have an injury to not train. Um, and so for me, that's always, that's part of the challenge, uh, of trying to be, uh, you know, making all these, st- you know, making <laughs> six months worth of starts, you know, over 162 games, you know, trying to make 33 starts, you know, every five or six days. Um, you know, it's a grind on 
in your body. Uh, but the more work you put into your body, the better you feel. Yeah, Max, my dad is a big fan of yours. I think he sends me a text probably every time that you're pitching. Uh, Max, <laughs> Max is on the mound tonight. Um, so he followed you during the World Series. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me about, obviously, you your aerobic base and endurance had to be at a high level when you are making it through an entire season and then you're in the World Series, and then the World Series goes for seven games. Walk us through this past. So just to reiterate to everyone, you were part of the World Series champions from this past year. Walk us through what it was like those seven games and then standing on the mound winning the World Championship. Uh, what's sort of the best thing there is <laughs> winning the world series uh in game seven uh, i mean that's just a career highlight i mean that's everything you played a game for uh it, you know ever since i've been a little kid i've always dreamed of winning the world series and uh you know i've, I've been close a couple other times but man to be able to punch through and, and and do it with the guys that we had uh that's just a feeling that i'll never forget um walking you know pitching through it uh you know i was able to start game um you know, start game one, uh, and that was fun. We were able to, uh, you know, come out and, uh, you know, we put some runs against Garrett Cole and, uh, Houston's got a tough, you know, had a tough lineup, uh, granted me apart, was only able to go five innings in that first, uh, first start. Um, and then had an injury there in game four, uh, with my neck. Uh, you know, we had a, we were, there was a medical treatment that backfired and we thought it was going to help it out, but it backfired. Um, so I d- didn't get a chance to pitch again until game seven and it, it just all worked out. So I was able to take the ball feeling good for game seven and just, I mean, that's it. That's the start of your life. That's what you dream of to be able to pitch, pitch game seven in the world series. So it's just laid on the line. That's all it was. I bet it's like a culmination, like you said, dreaming about it since you were little. So, um, you know, it's something that very, very few people will ever get to experience in their lives. So I'm sure that it's something that, like you said, is is a pinnacle of your career that you're going to relive that moment hundreds, if not thousands of times. Um, Are there things that you are taking from that moment to fuel yourself now and going forward, you know, you said you have to be so self-motivated and things like that is, is that a main source of motivation now for you to be able to repeat that experience? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, it, winning the world series has always been my number one drive. I mean, that's the reason I play this game is to go out there and, and win the world series. And so I've been mm-hmm. uh, pushing myself as hard as I possibly can to be, be always be, put myself in that situation to be able to be at my best. Um, not, you know, and to punch that ticket and, and gotten through and got to experience it. Um, yeah, you want to do it again. Uh, you want to be, <laughs> you, want, you want to be back in that situation. You want the ball in your hand and, uh, you want to win it again. So especially for the fans in DC or the way they responded, uh, that, you know, we feel like we have a good team and we have a good roster and we know, obviously know we can, we can do it. Uh, so yeah, this whole off season, you've been gunning for this to be able to get the opportunity again. Yeah, Max. Um, what does the word accountability mean to you? Because you, you, I think you've described it and at being a professional, it's not about having someone standing over you to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. What does it mean to you? I think it, it, it comes down to all like the little small choices that are in your life, uh, you know, to be, be successful. And, you know, I think we all, you know, 
take little shortcuts here or there. You know, there might be 10 choices over a week where, you know, you can sit there and say, well, I, yeah, maybe I made seven good choices of, you know, whether it was diet, running, ex- you know, you, you name it, all the little things that go into being an athlete. Um, being accountable to me is, all right, how many more of those choices can you make? If you made seven out of 10, can you make eight? Can you make nine? You know, it's tough to be constantly 10 out of 10 out of 10 every single week. You know, you're, we're all human and there's times where, you know, something pops up or family life, you know, there's just times where uh, something might not happen and that that's okay. But the amount of times that you, you, you see small things that make a difference and how many times are you choosing uh, to make those choices to push yourself just that little bit extra every single day um, and just find and find ways to create little things uh, in your daily life uh, to allow yourself to continue to push your body to the maximum it can be. Uh, so for me, when it comes to accountability, it comes down to all the, everybody can make the big choices pretty easily. I mean, to me, that's easy. It's, it comes down to the little choices that you have to make. And, and I think that's what separates people. And do you think that you have made a habit out of it? And I asked that because earlier you had said that, um, you know, you, there needs to be a reason not to train. And I would say the average person would probably say, I need a reason to train. Um, you know, and so you had mentioned injury potentially being a reason not to train. Um, so it kind of sounds like you've made, you've essentially habitualized accountability into your training so that there's really not training or, you know, not being accountable is more the exception rather than, than the norm. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to say it. Uh, I need a heck of a reason why I'm not going to go out there and and do my program. I mean, there's got to be something wrong with my body. Um, something wrong, uh, that, that if I were to go out there and train that I would jeopardize my body. Um, if there's, if I'm, if that's not going to happen, uh, there's absolutely no excuse, uh, to not go out there and do do the work that it's going to take. Uh, so I, I mean, that's a daily, that's a daily grind. That's something that, um, you know, that the reason why I love baseball is because there's 162 games because everybody's forced with that decision at some point in time throughout the season uh, of when they get exposed, you know, through the grind, you know, you know, you play a hundred straight games, you still got 62 more games, you know, you still have to be on top of yourself to be able to be accountable for that. And so uh, that's the challenge. That's, that's what makes major league baseball so difficult. And so tough sometimes is the, the absolute grind of the season, the length of the season. Uh, you know, it feels like you're running a marathon that every day feels kind of the same day sometimes. Uh, but even when the, the monotony sets in that you still can, every day can make that choice of what it's going to take to have to win. Yeah. Max, I have one more question before we wrap this show up. How do you make family and baseball work together? One, it takes a great wife. So my wife, uh, you know, she's a former pitcher in college, so she understands the game. Uh, But you have to just find time uh, to spend time with family and and check out from baseball a little bit. It kind of relax your mind. You know, for me, playing with Brooke and Casey, my two daughters, uh, and just uh, enjoying that as well. Join join family time and, you know, you know, getting in the pool and playing with them and doing different stuff. Uh, You know, that that takes your mind away and puts you at some ease and, uh, when you get some good R and R with the family, it kind of resets everything. So then, uh, when you do go play baseball, the whole family enjoys it. And then I know Brooke, you know, she, she's dying right now that dad has not playing baseball because you know, she, she definitely loves being in the stands when I pitch. Awesome. Awesome. How can our fans, uh, your fans and our friends, um, and listeners find you? 
Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I haven't really tweeted in a year or so. Um, and I'm on Instagram, but I don't post. So I don't know. I, I'm not really a social media guy. Yeah, we've we've had a couple of guests on like that before, and that's good. But they can find you hopefully back on the mound again soon as we get through uh, this quarantine session that we're in with the coronavirus. Yeah, hopefully sooner and later. So hopefully everybody stays safe and uh, let's follow the protocols. Absolutely. Keep your distance socially, people. All right. Take care, Max. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.